Welcome in, everyone, to the Empty Bottle Sports Podcast. Andrew is joining me for our weekly Bears and Illinois recap, but we don't have an Illinois game to talk about, but we do have a recruiting class to talk about, and uh, we actually get to talk about two Bears games and two Bears losses, unfortunately, but let's hop into the Illinois portion uh, for this for this show, Andrew, and actually, real quick, what do you got to drink in front of you? I got my milk um, back home, and it's going to be in the Midwest, man. I always got to get my milk. I just got some plain old water in front of me today, Danny, but hey. I feel that with the milk. Hey, that Midwest uh, tap water, though, you don't need to filter it. It's not like it's down Very in true. Carolina where you need like three filters for all that water. All right, man, let's hop right into the recruiting class. Uh, big picture, I felt like th- this was a really good foundation class for um, Brett Bloom and the coaching staff. They had just about a year to kind of put this recruiting class together, so they didn't really get a long time to build a lot of these relationships, yet I felt like they added – a lot of uh, recruits that will fill positions of need, and they did a really good job in-state with 10 uh, in-state prospects. And even if some of them are under the radar, you would want your under-the-radar prospects, I feel like, to be from Illinois because you feel like they're going to play with that extra, you know, on the field just because they're representing their state school. So just overall, what do you think about this class for uh, Rep. Luma's first class? I mean, I'm excited for it. You look at uh, some of the guys that have committed already, and uh, one thing that's really nice to see is offensive linemen. I think that was a big concern I had. and I mean, I still have, but we at least have some potential answers to it, is, you know, this year we have an offensive line that is pretty much going to be fully gone next year. Uh, I think we might get one back, one player back, but other than that, you're going to basically be forming a new offensive line, so definitely needed to be recruiting that. And uh, we picked up a handful of nice recruits there, uh, quite a few three stars. So that should definitely be helpful when uh, trying to figure that offensive line and move guys around and stuff. So that was a big piece that I needed to see. And I saw, and then uh, we also had a transfer for quarterback, which, you know, I think that's going to be huge because we were talking about this a few weeks ago and it's what is the future of the Alina? You know, this season they had most of the pieces except for a quarterback and a wide receiver. Uh, And they went out and got a quarterback in Tommy DeVito, who I think can, can be pretty good. Um, And I think he can fit in well with this roster. So, you know, we have him and then we have Art Sikowski coming back as well. So um, also some wide receivers, which are in this recruiting class, which was another position that we needed. So I'm glad they addressed these positions. Um, I think they kind of, you know, figured that we need offensive linemen, receivers, quarterback, and they went out and got those guys. Yeah, huge positions of need filled there. Obviously, the quarterback, uh, you know, um, much as we want to say about Brandon Peters, he was a person in the room. He's gone, so you got to uh, fill in that spot. Art Sikowski is going to be out for spring ball and won't be coming back until um, fall camp. So um, you would pretty much just have Matt Robinson and Samari Collar. Um, a redshirt junior and a redshirt freshman during spring ball. So it's nice to have Tommy DeVito in there, who's probably going to, you could probably pencil him in as a starter, but it's nice that he's getting those spring ball reps in this offense and with the, the players around him too. And then the offensive line, uh, man, like you said, a lot of people are leaving. I think only Julian Pearl or Jordan Slaughter. Well, Julian Pearl, at least I think is the, he, he was on the line a lot this year. So he was a starter. Jordan Slaughter, I think he's a long-term piece. Uh, he was out injured this year, but 
Um, a lot of questions behind him, a lot of young guys, a lot of redshirt freshmen, uh, maybe sophomores around behind him. So you bring in a transfer um, offensive lineman, like a Juco guy to kind of bridge the gap. And then a lot of freshmen and you bring in like five freshmen. And I, I'm okay with every single class bringing in like four to five offensive linemen, whether it's transfers or just freshmen, because I feel like you just need that position group. That's probably behind quarterback the most um, important positional group on the team, in my opinion. Um, so you're bringing a lot of bodies in, which is really good, and um, just just a lot of a lot of size. Those these guys are really big. Might not be the highest rated, but um, there's a lot to work with. And this is a developmental program, I think. That's how they want to design this program. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that they can mold with here. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I was really happy this year with what we saw in defense and the scheme wise and a lot of players that weren't really highly recruited, like uh, Kirby Joseph, uh, then he becomes like an all Big Ten player, Sidney Brown not being high rated, but becoming an all Big Ten honorable mention. And, um, you know, a lot of good things have happened on this defense. And again, you're seeing a lot of uh, some of these defensive recruits. They have a lot of the same attributes, maybe not the highly rated, but they got size and length real quick too. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Kirby Joseph, I believe, declared for the NFL draft. So uh, mm -hmm. good for him. Hopefully he'll, you know, find a good fit there. And, you know, that'll leave a gap to fill. And we're bringing in some defensive backs that have some talent. Um, and I think this coaching staff can work with them. And, hey, Prepolim has been really good with offensive linemen throughout his career. Yeah. He's been able to produce some really top-tier players. So, um, you know, it's promising that he's bringing in these recruits. This is his recruiting class. We'll get to work with these guys and hopefully produce some uh, future NFL talent, which will also help the Illini get uh, a couple extra wins this year. Yeah, I agree. And uh, kind of a, a cool anecdote here. So James Crutes, Olin Crutes' son, is actually in this recruiting class as a linebacker. His brother, Josh Crutes, is already on the roster as a redshirt freshman. I think he plays center, though. I think he's going to kind of – fill that Doug Kramer undersized role, but man, like just being a pit bull on that offensive line and just uh, a bulldozer. I think James Cruz can be that on the de defensive side of the ball, maybe like a undersized, but really good intellectual football player, like kind of like Jake Hansen was for, for our team. Um, so oh, yeah, and really I love Olin Cruz too. Yeah. And I think <laughs> just watching his sons, like their high school tape and uh, how people talk about, they play the same way, just like their dad with that same killer mentality where they just want to, just punish you on every single play. So I'm really excited to watch them uh, and see how they grow. Um, and then running, but you said Revolution has a really good history with offensive linemen. He also does with running backs, a lot of good history with running backs. And we bring in two running backs to this class. And I already felt like the running back room long-term was really good for, um, I, I felt like we were okay long-term. We have a lot of bodies in that room and a lot of um, good recruits there, but we're bringing in two more. Um, both in staters, Jordan Anderson out of Joliet Catholic and uh, Aiden Lafferty out of Gibson City. Um, so kind of two complimentary backs, you know, more of a bruiser and then Aiden Lafferty has that track speed. So I really like what I see there. And then uh, wide receiver wise, um, Andrew, we're bringing in four wide receivers. And I think this year, man, we were both talking like one of the biggest things was outside of Isaiah Williams couple times of Casey Washington and Deuce Span, there really wasn't much in the wide receiver room. Well, you're bringing in four guys here. Uh, they're freshmen, but um, their bodies, and they, I, I'm excited for, for all of these guys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
that wide receiver role was it was hurting last year. I mean, Casey Washington, at least in my eyes, wasn't very reliable. Um, he was our big receiver, you know, Isaiah Williams, you can only do so much with a guy like him. You know, you can't put a ball up and expect him to come down with it because right. he just doesn't have the size, but he has speed. So he's really good at that, but you need a big bodied receiver that can make contested catches. And for me, Casey Washington, he had a couple really nice catches. I'll give him that. But overall, I just felt like he wasn't the answer no. we needed. So, you know, they went out, they got four receivers in this recruiting class. Let's hope one of them at least can be a receiver and pair nicely with Isaiah Williams. I hope so. Cause I mean, like you said, Isaiah Williams, he was, they had him running so many motions. Um, and then he was probably in like 90% of plays and he had some of the most targets in the big 10. And so they used him a lot, but um, slot guys aren't really like your number one receivers that you need. They're really good complementary pieces and they can be your, your like one B player, but it's hard to make a slot receiver like Isaiah Williams, your, your, um, your number one receiver. Now he changed their offense because he was on the team and that was, it was awesome to have him, but you needed like a Casey Washington, a Pat Bryant to really step up or even a Deuce fan to be that number one receiver and be that like go-to target when they need a third down. And they just didn't have that this year, at least that consistency. Um, yeah. Casey, he was really getting consistent until maybe the past couple of games. Um, really didn't see too much out of him, but uh, four wide receivers. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a transfer guy to just kind of bridge this gap um, that they have here. Uh, but I really, I really like that they're bringing in four guys and just, um, and just see what happens. Um, transfer wise, Andrew, what would you still like to see them bring in? Um, if, uh, there's another, there's the, the regular signing period. I think they maybe have like four more spots in this class available. Whether they're gonna, would you like to see them use it on another prep recruit, or would you like to see them try to use it in the transfer portal, um, address like immediate need? Um, yeah, what, what kind of positions or age group are you looking for here? For me, at this point, I think uh, we need to get a transfer wide receiver. It's similar to what you said. You know, we have these young guys coming in um, that are committing to Illinois, but you need somebody to kind of show them the ropes and, you know, somebody that can play now and be a solid starter. So I think we need to go out and get a wide receiver, um, get them to transfer to Illinois, because I think that's one of our most glaring needs. You know, we have a quarterback now who hopefully uh, can be that answer, but they need somebody to throw to aside from Isaiah Williams. If he's yeah. getting double covered, they're going to need someone else to go with that ball. Yeah, I really do. I, I like that wide receiver one. Uh, I would say, yeah, wide receiver, because uh, Deuce Span actually uh, a few minutes ago actually just entered the transfer portal. So you lose a guy with a lot of potential. I know he was only a freshman, but we saw a lot of good things from him when he wasn't injured this past year. So that, that kind of that sucks to see um, him leave. And then uh, you're also seeing, like you said, Kirby Joseph, NFL draft, Kalon Tolson, NFL draft. And then um, um, who else is leaving early? Um, oh, um, Don, uh, Daniel Barker, DJ Barker is also leaving uh, early. Uh, and, I mean, he's not early. He's four years. He had one more year of eligibility, but I don't know how much um, how much he could build up his stock. Daniel Barker, I feel like he showed the NFL what he could have done over the four years. He, he kind of made steady progressions, but ceiling wise, I don't know much he can how much more he can show. Um, but I'm surprised about Kalen Tolson. I mean, um, that linebacking group when Jake Hansen and CJ Hart got injured at the beginning of the year, uh, Tolson and um, 
Uh, Tariq Barnes really filled in that position well role. So uh, so it, that that sucks to see him go, but maybe he would come back. It's still not official yet, but um, I, I would like to see maybe a transfer linebacker as well. Yeah, and hey, those those linebackers really stepped up. I think at the beginning of the season, we kind of talked about what groups would need to step up and, you know, we'd said linebackers with Jake Hansen, and then Jake Hansen goes down and the backups really stepped up. They filled that void and I think they played pretty well this year, so good for them. Yeah, awesome to see. All right, man, let's flip it over to the Chicago Bears, and we have two unfortunate losses and two national primetime games that we had to watch. Sunday night football against the Packers uh, a couple weeks ago, or last weekend, and then the uh, Vikings on Monday night here was a loss, unfortunately, at home. Two division rivals, man. They are officially eliminated from the playoffs. Um, Tough to see. It's it's kind of like you can kind of give them if you want uh, like a play away, I don't know, throw like throw the games away because he had so many players out, especially the Vikings game with COVID. And then before that with injuries too, they were kind of down to the bare bones of players that were available. Um, but it still felt like the same old, same old from this uh, team. Where there was a lot of inconsistency, especially on offense. The defense somehow kept you in the game on Monday night against the Vikings, but then the offense just could not get anything going. A lot of undisciplined plays going on, and um, that just seems like it's been the narrative with Matt Nagy during his tenure here, and uh, it's it was the same old story despite it being uh, almost like a new roster because of all the injuries and COVID stuff, and I thought that was really frustrating to see. Yeah, I mean, the part that was really nice to see was the offense was moving the ball, especially against the Vikings. They were moving the ball really well. They were getting downfield. And then they would get in the red zone and just self-destruct or have stupid penalties, you know, turnovers. And it's a bummer that, you know, they all happen in the same game. I mean, you had David Montgomery who had his first fumble in forever. You have Justin Fields who had a fumble. Um, You had Demir Bird muff a punt. So, you know, it's like things stack up and, you know, it was tough. Um, The defense, I think, for the most part, held up in that game. Uh, against the Vikings however you go look at the Packers game and I think you're looking at a different story the defense just got torched special teams play really well and the offense they had their moments um, they were moving the ball but again struggling to get in the end zone so um, the offense needs to find a way to get some touchdowns on the board it's it's sad how ineffective we've been in the red zone whether it's turnovers penalties or just flat out dropped passes that's yeah that's been frustrating this year and uh we you need to get that ball in the end zone otherwise you're gonna lose games yeah i agree andrew i'm really frustrating because uh you're right they did against the vikings 24 first downs vikings only got 13 so you pretty much doubled the amount of first downs they got but two for 12 on third downs um two for five on fourth downs you just can't have that, that, especially that two for 12 on third downs, that is just killer. And that, that's some of those red, red zone, uh, those red zone drives. When you got close, um, you could never just punch in or even get that field goal uh, in there. So uh, really frustrating to see. And then, man, there were so many drop passes where it's just right on the mittens, right on that bears mittens. And it just, it was like, he's trying to catch with uh, cutting boards almost a few times. And he's like, Oh my goodness. And, um, you know, I'm not saying Justin Fields um, didn't have his own, you know, bad plays and everything, but um, I thought he put your put your team in a good position to win. And then a lot of things, whether it's penalties or just drop passes, just kept shooting yourself in the foot. And then Justin Fields 
shot ourselves in the foot too with the fumble. And uh, sometimes you can take, take unnecessary sacks where um, you're not outrunning uh, that Purdue defensive lineman anymore, man. You're not outrunning the Maryland defensive line. You're outrunning, you know, NFL defensive linemen, and they are quick. They're like running backs in that sh in those short bursts. Uh, so it's really hard to run away from those guys. And um, you kind of took some Brandon Peter sacks uh, uh, in those games. Yeah, you said it. You know, Justin Fields, he didn't have a great game. I mean, he had he had a pretty decent game, but he had some mistakes that he's yeah. got to learn from. I mean, taking big sacks instead of getting the ball out, you know, throwing it away, spiking it so at the running back's feet. Um, he's got to be better about that. And then, you know, the fumble, that's unfortunate. Um, he was taking off and end up getting that ball, which, you know, it sucks, but hey, that's that's going to happen. I'm, I'm more concerned about, you know, the sacks he's taking instead of getting the ball out of his hands. Um, but then you have plays where he makes a really nice play and he hits Jimmy Graham on the hands dropped. He hits Demir Bird on the hands dropped. Darnell Mooney on the hands dropped. Cole Komet. All of these guys are just dropping passes. And it's like, you need to be able to help your quarterback. He's a rookie. He's taking big hits sometimes. You need to come down with that ball, especially if it's going to hit you square on the hands. Yes, yeah. I agree, I agree. And um, just talking about the Vikings game too, it just it, – it felt like there was not a lot of adjustments out of the offensive staff. And the defense, it, it, they kept you in the game. Like it was, you know, it was 10 to 3 at half. And, uh, you know, only, it was 17 to 3 after the third quarter. But it was still like manageable. Like that's – like for most NFL teams, 17 to three is not a death sentence. That's just two possession game right there. But it's just felt like despite Matt Maggie being an offensive coach, and we've I felt the same in a lot of games beforehand uh, with Matt Nagy and a lot of Bears coaches where like 17-3, but it feels like 45 to three, Andrew. And it's like, despite the, the score being pretty close, you just know if like your team gets down a couple possessions with this offense, it's just not going to happen. They're just, they might, you know, you know, flirt with you like they did at the end, you know, 17 to nine, they had a few red zone drives, but resulting in nothing. So they're going to flirt uh, with making you think they're still in the game, but a lot of times that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say something about the defense real quick before I yeah, jump yeah. into kind of that offense, but the defense against Minnesota, your entire starting secondary is out with COVID. You come in, everybody's talking about, you know, Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins are going to light it up against this Bears defense. Kirk Cousins had, I believe, 80-something passing yards total in that game. This secondary played lights out. Yeah. Um, we had, you know, there, there were some really good players that just showed up. Thomas Graham Jr., for example. He came up from the practice squad. He started as the cornerback. He was defending Justin Jefferson on some plays. He had, I think, three pass breakups. Um, that kid was special to watch. And uh, the Bears actually brought him up to the active roster, I believe, yesterday or today. So good for him. Um, that secondary did a lot better than I thought. I thought we were just getting yeah. torched. It was going to be a blowout. And they kept us in it. Um, but, you know, you look at that offense, and we were able to move the ball. And then we would have, you know, a penalty or a fumble or something. Um, it was unfortunate. And then you saw towards the end, uh, Justin Fields go quick tempo, no huddle. And, man, he was just exposing weaknesses in that Minnesota defense. And it's, 
it's a little unfortunate he wasn't able to do that earlier in the game, whether it be play calling scheme, players, who knows. But um, that's something I like to see from him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, and then just referencing the defense, too, uh, Justin Jefferson, I thought, other than like that, not first drive, but second drive, wherever they scored the touchdown. Um, yeah, those. Just uh, looks like he slipped there. So, um, you know, busted coverage, essentially. Um, but for the most part, you shut him down. You did a really good shutting him down. And I thought they were just going to run wild on that Bears secondary. Just nobody was available. And then if you look back to the uh, week previously against the Packers, for the most part, Jalen Johnson shut Devontae Adams down uh, for the most of that game. And he did a really good job with him. Um, so you can see these Bears, that like, there's something, there's some stuff there. Like there, there's, I think there's some diamonds in the rough there with, you know, Roquan Smith having a good game. Um, and then the secondary can somehow pull off these good performances. Uh, but, you know, King Hicks and Robert Quinn still playing at, at a good levels there, but it's just as a, a, a complete unit, it's just not there. Whether that's the coaching or just a lack of personnel, um, whatever it is, it's just not there, but you're seeing flashes. You're seeing flashes. And uh, so it was nice to see Justin Jefferson and Devonta Adams make somebody else beat you. And that's pretty much what they did against the Packers and Vikings. They, they got beat, but they made somebody else other than the wide receiver ones uh, beat you for those games. Yeah, definitely. And I like Sean Desai's game plan. Um, I want to mention that, you know, he, for the most part, had Jalen Johnson on Devonta Adams. And then the Packers adjusted in the second half so that Jalen Johnson wasn't on Devonte Adams very much. And I think that's where, you know, you see that touchdown pass and you see things kind of open up a bit and um, Jalen Johnson, I don't think plays the slots. They would line Devonte Adams up there to get him away from Jalen Johnson, but he had a great game. Um, and that bears defensive line. They have been getting after quarterbacks, Robert Quinn, especially, but Akeem Hicks too, whether it's the run game, the pass game that helps your secondary a lot when your yeah. defensive line can hurry that quarterback and make him get rid of that ball. Your secondary doesn't have to cover guys for super long because that ball is coming out fast. So I think that was really a big part of why the bears were able to keep the Vikings under 20 points was because they were getting to Kirk cousins. So he had to release the ball early, which meant the receivers didn't have much time to uh, find gaps in the secondary. No, I, I yeah, that was a really good point that, they had some really good defensive line play, and I don't. And that was a good catch up because against the Packers, they did not have a good um, defensive line game. They were just getting run over by the running backs, like huge chunk plays in the running game, and then also they were just not putting too much pressure on Aaron Rodgers or letting him scramble, not keeping uh, containment with him. And uh, they got beat, but they, you know, they made their adjustments and they did a really good job against the Vikings. It just couldn't work out here. And uh, can I? I, I just want to talk about David Montgomery, man. I know the stats weren't, you know, jumping out, but dude, the way that man fights for yardages, like it's the like it's the last touch he's ever gonna get for the football. I love it, man. I I know it's like running backs are like a dime a dozen, and you can just switch them out, and um, you know, you don't have to draft one in the first round and all that. But I really hope they can work on a long-term uh, contract with David Montgomery. Even if he's not your starting running back in 10 years from now, you would want him on the team because, man, he just – that mentality, I wish, like, every player on the team had his mentality because, dude, he just – he fights when there's nothing to fight for anymore. 
He does. He's a special player. And Khalil Herbert, who's kind of the backup running back, I feel like is fairly similar. Those, yeah. Both of those guys, they give their heart out every play. They try to get every extra yard they can. Those two are both very fun to watch, and I love it. Um, and then you look at the defensive side, and Roquan Smith, just watching him run around the field, you know, even if he's not close to where the play is, he sprints to get over there just in case there's a fumble, just in case something happens. Roquan Smith is involved in almost every play, and it's just awesome to watch and see his heart and how much he enjoys this game. Yeah, I would say those those three pieces, uh, Darnell Mooney, Justin Fields, like there's there's pieces you can build around. Jalen Johnson on the defense, I, you know, he might not be your number one corner, but I think he's playing at like a 1B right now or like a, you know, a, a really solid number two corner right now. There's a lot of holes on this team, but there are some good pieces on this team too that I think you can really build around for the future. And that's a really good um, foundation to build on. And maybe – um, like Darnell Mooney finding like a diamond in the rough here. Uh, Jakeem Durant, I mean, he's had a good couple of weeks here. And I know a lot of due to injuries and COVID that he got to get his uh, chance here, but um, really liked what I saw from him. Me too. He's fun to watch. Uh, they were getting him involved in some jet sweeps and, you know, getting him some touches there. And man, that guy's electric. He's fast and he's fun to watch. So, I hope they keep that up. Uh, I know he got injured this last game. I'm hoping he'll be back soon, but he's like Tariq Cohen. Um, those two guys are very similar. They're both small, but very speedy and agile players. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's definitely good having Jakeem Grant finally get involved, especially since Tariq Cohen's still not back from his hamstring injury. Yeah. I mean, or his ACL. Yes. Yeah. I think it's ACL. Do you- do you think there's a spot for Tariq Cohen when he comes back or is it just like they see how he is during training camp and if he's not playing up to par, you know, he's cut. Like he doesn't have like a lot of runway. I I mean, I want him to come back because I feel like it's not like you can just throw away talent. He is talented. You just, you know, you don't have, you're not in a position right now to turn people away. So, um, you know, of course I want him to get the chance, but um you know, I, I do want some of these other guys to get their chance to kind of prove that they can fill into that role. And um, I don't know if Tariq Cohen is that person right now or in the future. I mean, yeah, I think it depends on, you know, if we're getting a new head coach and all that, what scheme they like, because Tariq Cohen, he's got some good hands. He can be a running back. He can be a receiver. You know, he's, he's a guy that the Bears are used to. So I think he could definitely have a spot on this team. Um, you may run into issues keeping him and Jakeem Grant. You may have to, you know, pick one or the other, but you know, he's, he's an electric player and he's fun to watch. So it might end up coming down to either Jakeem Grant or Tariq Cohen. We'll see, but um, Tariq Cohen's a guy I like, and I hope he's back soon. Um, He's been working on that injury for quite a while now. Yeah. Yeah. He has been, uh, I think it happened in the middle of the season last year, right? Um, yeah, so, I think early to mid season. Yeah, so he's working on a year, maybe plus now, maybe a month or so plus now. Um, all right, man, let's look forward to uh, next week's game uh, Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Seattle opens up as six and a half point favorites. And actually, uh, the Seahawks are actually playing pretty decent. Um, they started off really rough, really rough. Russell Wilson. Start off rough, but um, they're starting to, you know, resemble a little bit of what people thought they would be. I think people still knew that the defense was going to be bad, uh, but the offense is starting to look more respectable now with Russell Wilson playing better, 
using that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf uh, combo there, wide receiver. Um, so there's some, this is going to be another tough matchup. I'm mean, just like every single week in the NFL is, but um, it, it's tough because I just don't know what, I, I kind of do know what Bears team is going to show up. It's just going to be the, the consistency that just kind of flirts and makes you think that they're going to do it, but um, kind of breaks your heart at the end. What do the Bears need to do this weekend, Andrew, to keep themselves in the game and possibly pull the upside? They need to get the ball in the end zone. Um, once they get in the red zone, they need to push that ball into the end zone. Field goals aren't going to cut it. Um, they haven't been recently. And quite frankly, the Bears haven't even been trying to kick field goals because they know that they need touchdowns. And at this point, you're out of playoff contention. I say don't, you know, Cairo Santos, he doesn't need to practice. Um, I say, you know, don't kick any field goals. Let the Bears, obviously, unless it's like a fourth and 17 or something. But otherwise, let this offense go for it on fourth down. Let them try some creative ways, try to get the ball in the end zone, give Justin Fields some live reps with different looks um, and see if you can't get the ball in the end zone a bit more, because that's going to be huge moving forward is are they, are we able to score once we get close or are we just going to be kicking field goals all of the next season? No, I, and that seems like uh, well, of course, score touchdowns. Of course. I mean, that's what every team should do every week, but no, this is like a legitimate thing with the bears is like they, love getting into the red zone they love getting onto the other side of the field the, the other team's side of the field and then they just don't end up doing with it now Cairo Santos is a good um, you know relief medicine for that because he's a good kicker and for the most part he's done a good job with the Bears in his second stint with them but you need, like you said you need touchdowns to win it you cannot be settling on field goals because it's far and few between where you actually get into the other team's red zone and actually get a touchdown because a lot of this Bears team loves three and outs man they just love it um, like it's Halloween candy and you just need to figure out a way to punch it into that end zone there. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure which defensive effort. It kind of depends on this, the staff and the personnel that are going to be available, but you can kind of, you know, figure you're going to, you kind of know what to expect from them, but it's really hard to expect uh, what, what to see out of this offense. And um, I think we just need to see Justin Fields take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, and then this, the receiver, I, we need the receivers, Andrew, just someone go make a play. Um, someone make a play out of nothing. A few times that happened in the Packers games and it kept you in the game. I know the defense couldn't hold anything, so they didn't do their part, but the offense, a lot of people made plays when, uh, you know, plays were good as dead and they made some plays out there. We need that to happen again. We need somebody to step up and make something happen. Yeah. And we need the receivers to stop tipping the ball and letting the ball bounce off of their hands because I can't tell you how many interceptions this year have come because Justin Fields puts the ball on a guy's hands. It bounces up or to the defender and then it's picked off. And it's like, that's just frustrating because the quarterback's putting it in the perfect spot for you. And I know Darnell Mooney's had at least two or three of these where it goes off his hands and gets picked off. And it's like, if you're not going to catch it, at least make sure it's the ground, please. Right. Like you tipping it up and you having it picked off is the worst thing that can happen. Yes. So please try to make the catch, make more of those catches. And if not, let's hope the ball goes incomplete instead of getting picked off, which man, that is, that has hurt the bears team this year. Yes. If it's four feet above you, uh, don't try to tip it up with your two fingers and thinking that it's going to you know, fall down into your hands somehow. Or if it's behind you, a couple of feet sticking out your hand to try to bump it up for your, just let it hit the ground, live to fight another day. 
uh, just, you know, just play good, you know, possession like football and not don't make a play like that. Once you catch the ball, try to make a play out of nothing. Don't try to, you know, be a hero with after catching the ball. Yep. Uh, all right, man. Uh, what about the defense, though? I know you referenced the offense. What is the defense? What position group needs to make adjustments for uh, this to be a win on Sunday, whether that's the defensive line coming to play again, really putting pressure on Russell Wilson and containing him, or uh, the secondary just playing out of its mind and a different person stepping up to the plate? I think it's going to fall in the secondary. I mean, the defensive line has played pretty solid this season. Um, the linebackers. Line in the secondary. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, the, the linebackers have also played pretty well. So it comes down to the secondary, you know, Russell Wilson, he, he likes taking shots down the field and the secondary sleeping, or if there's busted coverages, we're just going to get torn apart. So uh, secondary has got to lock down these receivers. And, you know, if the secondary is locking them down, then the defensive line is going to be getting to Russell Wilson. So mm-hmm. I think that's the key on defense is uh, have a secondary play well and then, you know, eventually you'll be getting to Russell Wilson, hitting him, and hopefully getting some sacks or turnovers. Yeah, yeah. You can only hope we turnover battle. I, I can't remember the last time we've won the turnover battle, man. So we definitely need to get a W in that in that stat sheet there. But all right, man. Uh, it's great talking to you again. And uh, we'll talk next week uh, after the Bears game. And um, Hopefully we'll, we'll talk about a win because I know it really doesn't matter anymore for playoff implications, but it's just a lot more fun to talk about a win. Oh, definitely. I always hope for a win. You know, even if there's no meaning behind it, a win is a win. So I'll take it. All right, All right everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you all soon.